I'm Emily Rendell Watson, and this is Taproot Edmonton Presents Igniting Innovation. For today's episode, we're focusing on investing. So I'm back with Zach Storms, founder of Startup TNT. And our next two guests have both participated as investors in the Startup TNT Investment Summit. And I'm curious how that actually works. Does Startup TNT investors take equity or how does it work? So Emily, Startup TNT is a not-for-profit organization, and our mandate is to run the events and provide education for the investors. The investors form what's called an angel syndicate, where they set up, using the jargon of the industry, a special purpose vehicle that is used specifically to make a single investment as a group of investors. So this is common in the angel investing community. A bunch of angel investors get together, and instead of going in as one individual investor, a bunch of individual investors, they all work as a team and say, you know what, we're going to pool our money and we're going to go in as one investor into this company. And so that's what we do. We use a simple structure called a holding corporation. It's basically a corporate structure. All the investors get equal shares in the corporation. And then as a team, they negotiate uh, with each entrepreneur and with each company what the terms of the investment into the company will be. Okay, so there might be equity sometimes, there might not be other times? Yeah, so I do, I, maybe that's, a, that's one of the key things to understand is all the uh, angel investors get equity in our holding corporation, or actually it's their holding okay. corporation that they set up. And then the holding corporation negotiates individually with each company the terms of the investment into the company, which could be an equity stake. It could be just going in on common shares. It could be something called a convertible note, where you basically set it up as a debt instrument that converts to equity at a later date when a more sophisticated investor comes in and says, this is the valuation of the company. And then another common and, and growing in popularity uh, instrument is called a safe note, which is a much simpler instrument that's basically just used to say, I don't know how to value your company right now. We'll figure it out at a later date. Here's a simple agreement that says we're going to invest some money into your company. It will convert to equity at some point in the future. Okay, cool. Wow. I just learned a whole lot in a very short period of time. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this episode. Rhonda Nedelec and John Pinson are here to chat all about investing. Hello. Hello. Hi. I want to start off by asking each of you a little bit about who you are, what you do in Edmonton, and your connection to the tech innovation sector. Did you want to go first, Rhonda? Uh, sure, absolutely. I'm uh, one of the partners and founders of a uh, full-service strategic marketing and advertising firm in, with home base here in Edmonton called Zag. I am actually born in Edmonton. I moved away when I was three, came back in 1994. Uh, so kind of half my life was on the coast, Vancouver, Vancouver Island, and half my life back in Edmonton. So I just really called Edmonton my home. So entrepreneur, been around for 30 plus years in various entrepreneurial ventures and love this community, been parts of, you know, building community through being on different boards and connection to the tech industry has really just more been recently. I've met a, a fellow Tim Lin, he's actually on one of my condo boards and he was involved in, in Startup TNT and said, hey, I think this is something you might want to look at. And once he did, and of course, when I went there and I saw John was part of it, I was like, I'm in. So it, it's, uh, it's relatively recent, but it's been marvelous. Okay. And John, what about you? Yeah, I think Rhonda should use her adjectives more often. She is an, an awesome entrepreneur, has built a wonderful business, has been a terrific ambassador for the community, and is just a, a very special person. So I, I think she's being pretty modest. Um, John Pinsent, I'm a local chartered professional accountant. So that's my day job. I'm a partner at St. Arnaud Pinsent Steeman, which is a 
mid-tier accounting firm. We're three partners, 25 staff, very entrepreneurial focused in terms of our practice. The, the passion though for me has been uh, since 2005, I uh, started doing angel investing and trying to support the technology community in the greater Edmonton area, but also across the province. And so it's been my good fortune to be involved with a lot of very good technology companies and some unbelievable entrepreneurs. And uh, it's just a, a great honor to be involved in this community. John, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask each of you what experience you've had with investing and how you kind of got into it. But uh, you started to talk a bit about that. Do you want to elaborate a bit? And then maybe you can throw it to Rhonda to, for you to weigh in. Yeah, well, I, I think I'm the, the KG veteran uh, in terms of the, the, the three of us. Yeah. He is. Absolutely. I, I was super fortunate on my professional career. I worked for Ernst & Young here in town and was their director of technology, communication, and, educa- and entertainment. And that was through from 95 through until 2005. And so when you get to live through the boom bust of the, the tech bubble, you really got to see some cool companies just explode on the scene. And then some of them just plain exploded, but uh, it was quite a journey. And so when I formed my own practice in 2005, one of the things that I had committed to personally and professionally was to look at angel investing as a alternative investment strategy, just from a wealth development perspective. And so when I left Ernst & Young, I had that opportunity to, to look at uh, early stage companies and was a member of a bunch of different organizations that were focused on that. And that's what got me going. And then I've continued for the last 15 years just to uh, make investments, support the community and build on that momentum. Rhonda, what about you? How much experience have you had investing and how did you dive into it? So that's been uh, relatively recent, but it's interesting. The word investment, to me, there's multi-layers within that word. Because when I think about investing, and as John was talking, I first met John back when he was at Ernst & Young. When, you know, I've been in the ad agency world uh, and marketing world my first gig in marketing was 1995 when I managed a local outdoor billboard company that was purchased by Mediacom. And then we went across, you know, Winnipeg to Vancouver. And then I went into the ad agency business in 1999. And so when I think about investing, I've been doing, you know, investing in every type of business with respect to, you know, B2B, B2C, not-for-profit, you know, municipal, all of it, vast range of clients I've, I've been working with. I've been investing in saying, hey, you know, how can we move your business forward? Coming at at the angle from, you know, marketing communications. And so I feel like what I do and our team does is get in and understand what all of our clients have in common is they have a product or service and they need to get it to a specific group of people. And then they cut us loose to figure out the best way to do that. So I have been in basically in the business of getting businesses out there. So I feel like I have been investing at a different angle, but when it comes to financially investing, this has relatively been new. So both my husband and I are entrepreneurs. This has been a six business venture zag. It's my sixth business startup that I've been involved in. And my husband, who and his partner started Living Silence Hearing Center. They grew, I think, to 28 or 32 locations, largest in Northern Alberta. We're both entrepreneurs. And we didn't have the financial means to 
go, hey, wait a minute, we're entrepreneurs. We've been investing in lifting other businesses up with our skill set in the community ourselves. We've we're, you know, we've been super attracted to other entrepreneurs and rallying to help them, you know, support them in this community. We're empty nesters. We have four kids that we've launched out into their own careers. And now we have an ability to go, wait a second, we were them at that time. And and we remember the struggle and the struggle is real. And how can we help from a mentorship standpoint and from a knowledge standpoint? And hey, now we have a little bit of funds now that we've, you know, taken care of our parents and taking care of our four kids. You know, we have some opportunity that maybe we can put some money behind local businesses and help them launch. And so, you know, we didn't not want to do it. It was just we were too busy going on about what we were on about to, to do that. And only in the last couple of years, we had the opportunity to go, wait a second, this is really cool. We want to be part of that too. Yeah, I love that perspective of, of reinvesting. And I want to ask you more about that. But before I do, I'm really curious about when I think about investing, I always wonder, like, how do you decide where to put your money or put your focus? Okay, so... I got involved with Startup TNT, and what I loved about that is essentially it's a ton of people from the investor side that are entrepreneurs or seasoned investors, and my learning has been immense, where I'm like, wow, like they they have done incredible due diligence. They're flipping out terms and words that I'm like, I have to go home and Google it. I'm like, I what is that? I don't even know what that is. And so with respect to deciding how to get involved in terms of who to invest. What I loved about this startup TNT was even Zach, who led on starting up the organization, said, I have invested in things for a long time. And he says, what I think is really cool is this group of investors have created so many more gates and lenses to look at things and vet things and filter through things to really, it's kind of like panning for gold where they like, man, these guys are you know, what we feel are all kind of weighing in as clear winners and we want to put our money into, that gave me confidence. Because if I was to do it on my own, I, there's no way I would know what to look at, how to break it down, how to assess if it's a good thing. It might be a great concept. It might be fueled by passion as leaders, but not a viable business model. Having all of these people with different levels of skill sets weighing in has given me great confidence to go, you're jumping that train, I'm on that train too. Um, Rhonda and, and Greg's journey to doing angel investing is pretty much how everybody runs the path. They have been successful in their own life. They've built successful businesses. They've monetized them and now they have money to invest, but they also have great entrepreneurial skills and background, and they know how to mentor, they know how to coach, they know how to build because they've been successful themselves. Whether it's organized angel investing through something like Valhalla Angels or one of the other angel groups and networks that's out there, or very informal groups of people just coming together and, and making investments in, in people or, or industries that they know and understand, the key really is to have a thesis, is to have a sense of what it is that you're comfortable doing and have some sense of what your timelines are going to be in terms of making the investment. And then what's the exit going to be? What's the timelines to monetize on it? And how active or inactive are you going to be along that journey? So I, I think it's important to kind of start from a basis where you have a, a thesis about how you're going to, to do things. And for me, my thesis was pretty simple. I was intent on trying to outperform what I would call my safe money. The money that I've put with you know the investment community 
in my case, the guys at Richardson GMP, and just said, look, this is money that is going to be safe for my family. I'm not going to tell you how to manage it. You guys go and do your thing. But now over here, I'm going to take another part of my wealth and invest it in a way that is going to follow my investment thesis. And so I'm going to try and outperform you over the history of my little fund. And if I do well, then that's great for the family and the return. But more importantly for me, it was about making sure that the community received that money and that expertise and that mentorship to be able to advance the larger communities. So if the returns are good and the community does well, then my thesis was everybody comes out ahead of the game. And, and then to your point about, well, how do you decide? There's a lot of factors that go into making a decision to go, no go on an investment. And it crosses a number of various elements. It's about the people, about the industry, about the ability to be able to grow that company, the attractiveness of an exit, how well it's been structured. Uh, there's just a lot of different things that when you open up the trunk and dig in under due diligence, you've just got to have a checklist that you go through to be able to come to a go-no-go decision on the investment. But to be blunt, a lot of it has to do with the emotional engagement that you have with the team and the company and the industry. If you're very emotionally engaged, certainly you're going to look at that opportunity in a different light. Certainly you want to be disciplined and you want to meet all your core, but we all want to invest in things that we're passionate about and, and really enjoy people that we enjoy being around as well too. So there's a human element as well as a financial element involved. When you're talking about making that decision, you know, you're, you're both entrepreneurs, John, why reinvest that money that you've made and in Edmonton and why reinvest in tech startups in particular? Yeah, I, I was definitely going against the flow uh, you know, when I started to be very active, there were very few active angel investors in Edmonton. The tech community had a few interesting stories, but it was, you know, we're not Silicon Valley North. We never have been. I've always been of the view that it was important for us to diversify the economy of Alberta and Western Canada and to create opportunities for what we have, some amazingly terrific entrepreneurs who have great ideas and great skill sets, and to be able to germinate and water and grow those opportunities here locally was important for me because you know, I wanted to see a future for my kids and for my grandkids in terms of having opportunities to do something other than oil and gas here in Alberta. So that was the big reason why. And I did genuinely feel that I could earn a return that was at least as good as what I could earn in other opportunities. Rhonda, in terms of why you, what got you into reinvesting wealth and then reinvesting in tech startups in particular, was that really that draw from Startup TNT where you could actually learn the ropes through that experience? And that's kind of how or why you chose to invest in tech startups in particular? Yeah, so as I was listening to John and we you know you were really highlighting on the due diligence piece, I twigged my memory because that's really the process in which we we did that. So I I definitely by no means want to say, "Hey, it was a thoughtless thing. You guys are going, I'm coming too." To John's point, there was a lot of countless hours of breakout, you know, groups that we were doing criteria and waiting and really good discussion and honest conversations and meeting with the owners and 
asking them tough questions. And, and there was a lot of due diligence that was done that. So the learning piece for me was amazing. What I was just so inspired by was, and I kept coming away with this like, oh man, are there some freaking smart people in this market? Both my husband and I were like, wouldn't that be so cool to be part of, you know, sitting around that boardroom table when Facebook was pitched and said, hey, you know, here's this thing. It's called Facebook. I know it sounds weird, but I think it could be something. And then to have been on the front end of those conversations and to think that that potentially could be an opportunity on some of these really brilliant tech movements coming out of this very city. So that was, that jazzed me like in a big way. I thought that is pretty amazing to go. I want to be in the front side of that, not finding out about it after the fact. If we can be part of that, you know, financially from a mentorship, it's like, you know, I was there when they were telling us this story the very first time. I saw the hope and vision in their eyes. You know, we were able to to lift them up and coach them along and be able to put some money in there and and hope to be able to lift them up to a really great successful position why would we not want to do that? Like we, it just checked personally so many boxes for us you know, to, to be part of that. And, and maybe I can jump in with a couple of stories um, because there's, there's lots of stories along the journey. So a prime example of that is so true in terms of you, you want to be right there, but naturally we all have skepticism and we use our criteria to look at stuff. And so I remember when Skip the Dishes came through the Valhalla angel group and came in, made their pitch. We thought it was interesting. There was a few of us that were kind of thinking, well, you know, there's a chance it could be, end up being a crowded space and Uber's going to come in and they're the thousand pound gorilla. They're going to crush this little company, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we found all these reasons not to do it, but we continued to be interested in it. And then, you know, when we were about halfway through due diligence, they came back and said, no, that's okay. We don't need your money. And, and, and so you miss that opportunity. And it's the same. A lot of people, you know, know Sam Pillar's company, Jobber, uh, you know, a great Edmonton story, a great, um, you know, that has a great future for building a terrific tech company here in Edmonton. And Sam's done a great job. But he came into the angel community and said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. And this is my cool idea. And everything uh, you know, gave us the pitch and we all looked at it and said, well, that's kind of interesting and you seem like a smart guy, uh, but we're going to pass for now. And, and he didn't like that at, at the end of the day, of course. And he went out and he just did it his, his own way. And then by the time he got it big enough that all of us were kind of going, oh, that, that really is something special. He was at that place where he had taken a major seed investment from Omer's and we were never going to get a chance to get back in. So, you know, Sam gets to say, I told you so. And there's a lot of those good stories out there. It's so much of this journey is about good luck and good timing and, you know, your sense. Uh, again, Rhonda and Greg have great entrepreneurial sense. They, they, they know how to look at an opportunity and listen to somebody pitch an opportunity and know where there's a lot of fluff or dream going on in the way that it's being pitched. And But even when you see what you think is the perfect opportunity, it may not be the right time. It may not be the right valuation. It might not be the right deal structure, and you still have to let it go. You're listening to Igniting Innovation, the first series from Taproot Edmonton Presents. This podcast is just one of the many ways that Taproot pays attention to our city. For even more coverage of Edmonton's startup scene, subscribe to the Tech Roundup, curated by me. 
You'll get the latest headlines and happenings from Edmonton's tech community delivered to your inbox every Tuesday. Visit taprootedmonton.ca to join. And for another local podcast with its finger on the pulse of Edmonton, subscribe to Speaking Municipally, our weekly discussion of municipal politics. Find Speaking Municipally wherever you find your podcasts or at taprootedmonton.ca. And now, back to our show. So as we've recorded this series, I've been hearing about some of the challenges around investment in Edmonton. And I'm wondering if it's true that there isn't enough money for startups in Edmonton or that we need more investors. What do you think that the challenge is? I think there is actually a decent amount of money in Edmonton and in Alberta. The tricky part is to try and find the right opportunities. And I think it's a fair assessment that there aren't a large pool of qualified angel investors. It's a journey that we're going on as a community to get more people actively involved and to get entrepreneurs knowledgeable about the the path to accepting people's money and what that means and what you know what's the the give and the take of of being part of that ecosystem. So I, I think it's a fair criticism that there are some challenges, but there's some great entrepreneurs and there are good people who have substantial wealth that they'd like to find ways to diversify their investments with. And I I think it could always be better, but it certainly has been worse. I would actually 100% agree with that. I was going to chime in on the same line in that I believe it's out there. There's two things. I think that there's finding the right opportunity to invest in and then finding those investors. You're speaking to two different audiences and it's about finding those two audiences and matching those two audiences And so I feel like, yes, there are great opportunities out there. It's about finding them, but I also feel it is about finding those right investors. And I think that the first thing that popped in my mind is, you know, you can have the best idea in the world, but if people don't know about it, then it's unfortunate and it's futile. Then the task becomes to what John said is about being better. How do you better communicate those opportunities? How do you better talk about them, create awareness, profile, create a better story out there? So that's the task. And I think it's about being better about that. So I, I do agree. I think they're out there. I believe they're out there. It's about being able to to find them. It's about the people that know people that know people. It's about finding those right people. And, and just on that, that part of things, like if you look at the companies that successfully came through Startup TNT this last round, those three companies, Future Fields, 2S Water, and Drug Bank, through the exercise, they got the kind of exposure that Rhonda was talking about. And that exposure led to conversations, which led to incremental investments, which led to them growing their companies, and which has really put some fuel in their tanks to, to get off the mark. And that's the way that the ecosystem is supposed to work. You know, it, it works in other jurisdictions because people understand it and they support that journey and people get on board. And it's happening more here in Alberta. And I'm always optimistic and confident that, you know, there are lots of good opportunities to happen here. Back in the 90s and the 2000s, there's a lot of things that did not exist in our community to support entrepreneurs as they went on this fantastic adventure. But if you look around now and you, you, you see things like, you know, Startup TNT, Tech Edmonton, all of the commercialization activity that happens from, through the universities and through Nate and SAIT, the amount of support that Alberta Innovates and all of the various 
funding support mechanisms, the work of A100, the work of the angel networks, the work of the BAMF venture forums and all the various financing forums. Like that's something that just wasn't here 30 years ago, but is here today. And so I think it does give new entrepreneurs the opportunity to go out and get the training that they need to develop, to be able to advance things. But like everything in life, there's a time and a place and every entrepreneur has to decide when it's their time and place to step up and look for those resources that enable them to attract the money that allows them to take, build their team and, and get off the mark. So you've been investing for two decades. Now you want to see new people step up and do that in Edmonton. Do you see that happening? And other than things like the Startup TNT Summit, how can those people learn the ropes? Well, I, I do see it happening. I, I was super impressed, and I've said this to other people, that every time I go to an event at Startup TNT or, or you know, at Startup Edmonton or one of the angel events, there's a whole bunch of people around the table that I don't know. And I celebrate that because, you know, two decades in, I should know everybody in the community. And at the end of the day, it's because there are so many great new people that are saying, okay, I'm interested in becoming active and becoming an investor. I'm going to come to the table and I'm going to put my money on the table and I'm going to get involved. So uh, could you use more? Of course, always. But at the end of the day, I'm actually very happy that people are looking at this as an alternative investment strategy for them and are stepping up. In terms of how much money you need to start investing can you invest money that you might have planned to use for a bathroom reno or do you need to have family well? What do you need to get started? When we first heard about Startup TNT, the way it was positioned was, you know, hey, we're you know, doing this thing and, and we're trying to get a whole bunch of people to put $5,000 in and then we're going to, you know, gather up, you know, $125,000 and then we're going to do this kind of Dragon's Den type thing where we're going to listen to all these pitches, put them through a bunch of due diligence, and then at the end decide kind of which which one that we all collectively agree that is going to be a great thing that we want to give them this money to. Well, part of that process was not only did we say, here's that money, but we also, you know, through the process going, hey, we also liked runner-up number two, runner-up number three. And then also in the course of that, you know, there was other side deals that were being done back to John's point about the ecosystem. But the question being, we're going, well, we can afford $5,000. Like, that's great. But then as you got in and you got learning and more excited, you're like, wow, like, actually, I really believe what these guys are doing pretty good. I can muster up another $5,000 or I can, I can muster up, you know, another little bit that I want to throw in. You know, you don't need a ton. I liked what John said earlier is that, you know, you also have to have that ability to go, this is a startup, this, this is potentially viewed as a higher risk. Like it's not proven. So you have to be okay with knowing that if that $5,000 was going to go away, I'd be okay with that. So you have to be able to, to know that, you know, you have to have a bit of a higher risk tolerance for investing in a dream. 110%. Like this has to be money that you can afford to lose, but nobody likes to lose money on anything that they invest in. So you have to, you know, I talked a bit about an investment thesis. You have to understand where your money is going. How much are you investing in your business and your RRSPs, you know, in your, in your family retirement and your other investments with your professional advisors? This is just another class of money. 
But if you're going to invest in anything, you need to understand how it works. And that's why it's so important for people to get educated on how angel investing works before they put their money on the table. Startup TNT was a wonderful opportunity for people who hadn't done a lot of angel investing to start with a very modest amount and be able to you know, see how due diligence works, see how the structuring of the deals and the papering of the deals and the expectations of the deals work. And if those people could all afford to walk away from those investments, if they don't turn into something, then you know, that's the mindset that, that you have to have. My personal expectation is, is that I don't put money into anything unless there's a fair chance of a return. But I am smart enough, I think, we'll see, but I'm smart enough, I think, to be able to understand how angel investing works, which is for every 10 things that you invest in, likely only one of them is going to hit a home run. You're going to have a few that'll do okay. You'll have some that'll plod along for a number of years and never turn into anything. And you're going to have some that go completely silent and you've lost your, your money and your opportunity. And when I look at my portfolio, that's been the history. I've had some very good successes. I've had some companies that are just plodding along, clipping coupons and staying in business. And I've had you know a number of companies that have completely flamed out and failed. And that's okay because that's what I expected was going to happen. And that's what did happen. But the real trick is to try and find enough of those gems in your portfolio of investing to be able to return. And as I said earlier on, outperform the safe money that you've put with whoever manages your investments. The Startup TNT Summit has two female investors this fall. And Karen Tang pointed out that there isn't a lot of diversity either. What are your thoughts on that? And what do you think needs to change to get more women involved, to get more people from different parts of the city who have different backgrounds involved? I'll, I'll jump in on that. I think I honestly go back to it's about awareness. I, I mean, I am a businesswoman. I've been in this market for almost 30 years. There's a ton of incredible women that run companies, that are in companies, that are part of managing companies. It's a very strong female leadership in business in this market. I, I see it all the time. They are out there. It's lack of awareness, just as it was for me. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know I was perhaps too busy being involved in my own business, you know, taking care of my own family, having, you know, a big to-do list of things that I had going on, that it just wasn't my top of mind. It wasn't even top of mind. It was 10 steps behind my top of mind. I didn't even think about it because I didn't really know about it until somebody brought it to my attention as, hey, you know, I think this is something you'd want to check it out and be interested in. And then as soon as I did that, I, you know, did the same thing to another friend of mine who's also owns her own company. I said, hey, I think, you know, this might be something you want to come in with with me on. And she jumped in last time as well. So it really is, I believe, just a lack of awareness. It's about telling a better story. And, you know, I've heard this commentary before in terms of people's observations about women that are involved in this space. And I need to be really clear about this. Some of the most successful entrepreneurs that I deal with on a regular basis are female women-driven organizations. You know, you look at Tara Kelly from Splice Software, Jacqueline Jasek from Jasek Chocolates, Mm -hmm. Carolyn Martin from Sponsor Energy, like, you know, Rhonda and a number of people that are in her network and community. There are so many successful women in business right now 
that it's just to me a natural progression that they will take that wealth and at some point in time, they're going to look at how they're going to invest it and angel investing will become part of it. And I applaud the efforts of the BDC and the Royal Bank and you know the breakfast initiatives that they've been running in terms of trying to bring the female entrepreneurs in our community out in a, in a networking and in an education environment to be able to help them, you know, see the path through to what's going to happen. You know, I'm an old dog. I've been around a long time. When I first went into the chartered professional accounting business back in 1985, you know, less than 10% of the partners in the public accounting firms were women. The reality today is is that more than 60% of the people that come into the profession are women, and more than half of the partners across the country are women. So it's a journey like any other journey, and I do believe that these fantastic, strong, successful women will naturally progress into doing this kind of investment as part of, of their journey. Okay. John, last question I wanted to put to you. So government seems to be able to help investors more than companies in terms of tax credits, things like that. I wonder what you as a seasoned investor think about government involvement in the space. Is there more that they could be doing, something different they could be doing? What are your thoughts? Well, I actually think the government does a pretty good job of supporting companies. You know, if you look at the SRNED program, and sure, the provincial government has moved away from it, but in the past when they've supported it, it's made a huge difference. You look at the amount of support that comes from Alberta Innovates, from Western Economic Diversification, you know, from the wage support programs during the pandemic. Like, government actually steps up and does a pretty good job most of the time. I've said for a long time, if a company can't make it without government support, then it probably isn't going to be a strong company in the long run anyway. So government support to me is like the icing on the cake. You build a cake, and if, at the end of the day, if government can come through with some supporting dollars, then that's just the icing that makes it just that much better. Um, but the whole point of this ecosystem and this community is to build strong businesses. And government has a role. Angel investors have a role. The banking community has a role. The entrepreneurs have a role. And together, when you basket it all into one big ball, everybody plays their part and good things happen. Thanks to Rhonda and John for joining us on the podcast. Zach, you know Rhonda and John because of the summit, and you're also an angel investor. Are there any other stories or advice for people to look to get into investing that you want to add to what we just heard? Listening to them speak, I really thought both of them sold it better than I can sell it, uh, Emily. I, I was really <laughs> impressed. I think I think I know why uh, Rhonda's in marketing and branding now. She does a great job of communicating uh, the value of the summit. And you know, I think I'll just go back to uh, one thing that she really hit on, which is relying on the collective wisdom of the angel syndicate, of all mm-hmm. the people at the table, mm-hmm. and being able to share the work of figuring out your first investment or your first few investments or really any investment with a team of people that want to share the work with you and go in on it together, I think makes the whole process a lot more enjoyable, a lot more meaningful. And my investment thesis is at the end of the day, we're going to get in on better deals that way. So Mm -hmm. I encourage uh, everybody to think of it as a team sport. Let's work together to make those good investments. 
Yeah. And I think that's what's so nice about the summit. And so if someone wants to actually try out investing for the first time, or maybe they're just learning when the summit next comes around, how do they do that? You know, there's a few different ways to get tip your uh, toe in the water. You know, Valhalla Angels, our partner angel group for the summit, offers some great intro courses on angel investing that just kind of overview what's going on. We're actually going to be doing a short Angel 101 with them as part of the summit. We will be running more summits in the future. So we'll be looking for more people to get involved with us in 2021. We'll be putting together some more of these things here in Alberta and potentially in other locations. So we'll see what happens. But I encourage anyone that's interested to get in touch with us to learn more. Okay, sounds good. Well, next week we'll be back with Ali Canal, founder and CEO of Resume Free, and Emily Craven, CEO of Story City. And they're two of the companies in the top five for the Edmonton Investment Summit that you're hosting. And we'll be talking about pitching. So can you give us a short and sweet maybe pitch or preview about who they are? Uh sure. Listen, Emily Craven is from Australia. She moved to Edmonton to build her company here. She participated in the last summit, didn't make it to the top five. She's in the top five now. As one of the other investors said, she's exactly the type of founder that you'd want to be uh, investing in. She's a great human being. She's a pleasure. She works really hard. She's well thought through. Uh, she's meticulous. So I would love to see her do really well this year in the summit. And Ali Canole is someone that I met at Startup TNT. She showed up one day. I think she heard about us through the rainforest. Thanks for those great referrals. And uh, she said, hey, I want to buy beer. I want to join this community. I'm a lot of fun. I'm an HR person, but I want to build a tech company. And that was a year ago. And now she has a great tech company. It's growing. She's got some initial sales. She's a finalist in the summit. That's a story that we love to see at Startup TNT as well, where, you know, to put it in the words of uh, Rhonda and John, your previous interviewees, you know, angel investing can often be emotional and personal. And so, you know, to see someone like Allie come through and to be able to support her, you know, I think is is really what it's all about. I think that that's what's so great about Edmonton is, is it is often personal because I think like many people say, although we're a big city, it's kind of like a small town. So looking forward to that. You can catch a new episode of Igniting Innovation every Wednesday until the end of November. Thanks to Alberta Innovates and the Edmonton Regional Innovation Network. It is helping to fund this podcast series through a community initiatives grant. You can learn more about eRIN at edmontonrin.ca. And if you're enjoying these episodes, make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. This is Taproot Edmonton Presents Igniting Innovation. Innovation.